Our next guests are the co-hosts of the very popular radio program entitled The Big Show. The Big Show. This is The Big Show. They call me Hollywood. Here come The Big Show. Big Show. Big show. Ladies and gentlemen, The Big Show. It's a Big Show. Is everybody ready? Thirsty, thirsty, Thursday. Thirsty Thursday. Happy Thursday. Let's get rolling. <laughs> This is The Big Show with Gordon Monson and Jake Scott, presented by Big O Tires. Stop by your locally owned Big O Tires for no credit needed financing and the best prices on winter tires. Big O Tires, the team you trust. This is 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Big Show, Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Welcome on in. Happy Thursday. Jake coming at you live from our Carrier Zone studios here at Vivint Arena. Austin Horton producing today across the glass from me. And safely social distancing from Casa de Monson, the one, the only, Gordon Monson. Gordon, hello. Jake, are you having a good day today? Uh, sure, yeah, it's been, it, it's been a good day. <laughs> How do you judge that? Do you judge that right out of bed when you get up in the morning right away, or do you let the elements and the factors and the influences of the day, you know, take you to a place that you either did not expect to go or were perfectly willing to go? I honestly have no idea. I just, <laughs> just, I just am, Gordon. I am. I am the walrus. Well, wasn't there something? Wasn't there a? poem or something a long time ago that said uh, sometimes I sit and think and sometimes I just sit yeah exactly so, so I, I rarely think actually I feel like it just gets in the way will you do me a favor and please explain to me what that I am a walrus song was all about I don't know you're, you're, you're a big fan uh, of that particular band yeah that's that's one song I never really delved into that deeply uh, mind blown Right. I mean, not really. I feel like they're just messing with people. Either that or was that during the time when the Beatles were uh, like hanging out with the Maharaji or whatever, whoever that was? I don't know. The Maharaji. George got him into that whole thing over there in India and they eventually bailed on that. Thought it was fraudulent. We sure talk about the Beatles a lot here. We do. Oh, why not of... talk about the greatest band of all time? Yeah. Yellow card? Sonny and Cher? <laughs> okay. All right. Foreigner? Anyway. Foreigner. Nice. Are you are you a foreigner fan? Who isn't? Oh, I, Don't I'm they sing uh, Cold as Ice? Yeah. <laughs> I hate that song. Why? That's not a good song. What about uh, Want to Know What Love Is? It's a little cheesy. Yeah, that's, a, that's a good song, Jake. Come on, a little cheesy. It is a little. It's 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 definitely like an '80s stereotype, double vision mashed up into a song. Who was your choice of band on Monday? Uh, who was? Wasn't it like aerosol cheese in a can? No, 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 no. Oh, it was. Wasn't it blood, sweat, and tears? Yeah. Oh, okay. no, no, no. Okay. That is not. That is not who blood, sweat, and tears is, Gordon. Uh, in, in uh, instruct the instruct the man, please. Yes, uh, that was a fine choice. In fact, that was a band I haven't thought of in a long, long time. And that's one of your best qualities, Jake, is that you you have an old soul. You you remember some of these old times. I know you give me a hard time you about that. Yeah, so see, that's what I'm talking about. Band of the '60s sounds like a bad '70s sitcom theme song. <laughs> no, it does not. Stop it! Stop it right now. It's a great band. <laughs> you know what Austin but, but reminds Forner, me of? Yeah, Austin, 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 Austin's, that, Austin's <laughs> that young guy that comes along after the fact and looks back and ridicules what was done in the past. You know, because it's not a part of his generation. I just said I like Foreigner. Weren't they like well, back there with Brigham Young and such? That was a long here, time ago. Here, here, okay. You know, Gordon's right. I do have bad taste in music. I just, uh, I just recanted what I said yeah. about you, Austin. Okay. Uh, that 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 was. If Warner's good, <laughs> sure. Why not? not? You know that Lou Graham had a real problem because he liked uh, sort of disorganized rock and roll, and the other members of the band really liked to uh, 
Just let it rip. Who's Lou Graham? He's the lead singer for Foreigner. Oh. Or maybe it was the other way around. Anyway, I know that there was a disagreement in that band. Moonlight Graham? <laughs> Burt <laughs> <From> Lancaster? <laughs> no, from Field, Field of, Dreams. of Dreams. Yeah, the Burt Doc. Lancaster oh, is played. That, is that the, art, that uh, the is, actor? Yeah, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Boy. Old time, old time news for uh, for five hundred, Alex. Or I guess not. Had Alex no idea Burt Lancaster so. was in Foreigner. <laughs> no, he, Multi-talented guy that Burt. Should have called it Burt Lancaster and Foreigner. Burt <laughs> uh, Lancaster was he was he wasn't an actor. He was a movie star. You know, that's, that's a Speaking difference. of cheese, that was cheesy. Gee, what do you mean cheesy? That was, he was cheesy. He, look, let me let me name you some, all right? Gregory Peck, uh Cary Grant, uh who else? Who else fits in that category? Anyone living? Kirk Douglas. <laughs> or no. I don't know. I don't know if any of these guys are alive. Like still. anyone after the internet was invented yeah. or those were movie stars. Hacks. Right? Nowadays you got a bunch of actors. A little different. It's all right. It's all right. Didn't name any females there. Just saying. Wow. No, I, you know, I was thinking of Catherine Hepburn. No, mm. Catherine Hepburn uh, was a movie star. Who else? Who else? Betty Davis? Movie about, star. Uh, Lena Horne. She was a singer, wasn't she? Yeah. What Our about dancer. Grace Kelly? Yeah, Grace Kelly, movie star. What are about we, uh, Fuzzy just... Britches? <laughs> You just quoting, uh Vogue now? Isn't that that the the Madonna song that just lists off all these people? <laughs> Is that where he's getting this info from? <laughs> Wouldn't surprise. Could all be. right. Anyway, here we are. Uh, we've got some basketball to talk about. Uh, certainly, we're going to talk about uh, the the what led up to last night's win a little bit more uh, and. Uh, and and what well why it was such an important win and, and by the way do we feel bad the three of us because we kind of made light of it and they were definitely grumpy that it did not get the serious media attention they felt like it was due. Oh, well, read my column today. It was pretty serious. Yeah, but at the time, them. you know, like Joe Ingles is rolling home, throwing on the big show, and we're making bird jokes. <laughs> <laughs> That is true. I, I mean, mean, Joe, Joe, if you heard that interview this morning, Joe was pretty honest about what was going on, texting his wife and, uh, you know, telling him that something just blew up. I mean, if you heard that from somebody, wouldn't you freak out? Yeah. 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 If you heard Jordan Clarkson and Mike Conley in the postgame last night, I mean, it was a pretty traumatic affair. And let's let's pop on over to 1280 and and Gordon's going, but what about the bird? Is the bird okay? I'm just asking if we feel bad. That's all. Yeah, that crossed I mean, that crossed my mind that maybe I do feel a little bad. Like I, you know, I heard I think it was Jordan who mentioned that last night in the post game that you know the media. I don't want to say they undercovered it, but it was a pretty serious thing. And then Joe Ingles said the same thing this morning, and I was like, well, they probably caught the bird segment. Phone lines open, Jordan. <laughs> <laughs> Call us. Yeah, that might have that might have happened actually. Uh, no, it, they're fine. No one died. I can yeah, see if this ever, is a, if there was a plane sized hole in the ground and we're making those hey, jokes. I but. understand why we maybe didn't take it as seriously. In all honesty, because we had no information, we just had these pictures and we saw the plane landing and we really didn't know anything until uh, honestly Quinn Snyder's pregame media availability where he talked about it, and then in the postgame and and of course Joe Ingles where we got a lot more info. So I'm 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 more just making a joke about our show than really it, we we didn't know anything about the situation other than birds were involved so i'm just making a joke that's all i'm and not look, i'm not trying to shame anybody i'm just I'm well just it, look it, it, i just pictured right. we, i just we, pictured mike codley driving home like oh well, let's let's hear what the the sports guys are saying i bet they're really concerned about us and flip on over to <laughs> well do you think it was a lot of birds or and what happened to the bird the bird's okay 
I mean, I'm just thinking, yeah, that probably bugged him a little bit. How does this impact the ecosystem? I I suppose that uh, they may have been, you know, that might have been. We we didn't know. Once we found out about what really happened, uh, that is scary. There's no other way to say it. Right. And we we were we are we in retrospect were <laughs> concerned about their their welfare, but uh, at the time we just thought the plane ran into a bird, you know, and and decided to go back. We didn't know anything about the engine blowing up. Alex Jensen's I mean, rolling home, turns on the radio, like, <laughs> why aren't they talking about us being okay? Why are they why are they worried about the bird? <laughs> well, I I look. Anybody who's ever been in a situation where you thought you were in peril when you're 32,000 feet above the air in a tube, uh, yeah, that's uh, that's nothing to mess around with. And I think we recouped. I mean, we took it very seriously yesterday. Did you yesterday. just say coop? Did you just make a bird <laughs> joke there? <laughs> uh, we, we, we were taking it very seriously. And I think that was the tone of what I was writing about. So you can check that out at sltrip.com if you want. Did, now, did you ask in written form? And I'm sorry, I have not had a chance to to peruse the column quite yet. But did you did you inquire about the condition of the of the birds? <laughs> did that make? Did the, you effort an ornithologist? Did that make the column? No, no. Think of the birds. I was concerned <laughs> we spent about like an hour each... on the birds. I was, yeah, but you see, I was making up for it. I, I was just taking it seriously, and uh, I heard what Joe said and uh, thought about, uh, you know, how terrifying that really would be, and it, it was for the Jazz. I mean, Joe said that the, the whole team freaked out, as they should. Who wouldn't, you know? And so, so they, yeah, they got that 757 back on the ground safely. And uh, and then to have them turn around and get on another flight, I mean, that, that that's tough. And Donovan Mitchell uh, wanted to gather himself a little bit. I have no problem with that. I, I, that's totally understandable. And Joe said that some of the players were talking that they wanted to forfeit that game against Memphis. Uh, and obviously that, that idea was not followed through on. But I could understand it if it were. You know, you Jordan, know? Uh, Jordan Clarkson had it. An interesting perspective on it. He said he wanted to get on the flight immediate on the next plane immediately. Like I don't want to go home and stew on this. I know I got to go, so let's just do it. Mm-hmm. And I thought that that was interesting how how situations affect people um, differently. And and yeah, it was traumatic. It was a traumatic situation, and and you know people react differently to to trauma, and oftentimes it's not so good. There are a number of athletes through the years who have uh, had a fear of flying. And I mentioned this in the column. One of them is uh, Wayne Gretzky. He uh, he was terribly afraid of flying, and um, he, uh, he is said to have used hypnosis to help him uh, handle the air travel. And it, a really strange part of that story is that he had a teammate his rookie year named Ace Bailey, who was a grizzled veteran player, and he was his roommate because Gretzky was a teenager still. And he said when they used to get on flights, he always sat next to this Ace Bailey, his, his, his uh, veteran teammate, who used to calm him down. And um, as it turned out, uh, that particular teammate later was killed in one of the planes involved in 9-11. Mm. That is strange. A strange tragedy. This is the quote from Gretzky. He said, quote, it's so sad and ironic that Ace died in an airplane because he helped me more than anyone else when I had that fear of flying about the only thing that soothed me is that I sat next to him on every flight. He was strong and calm when he told me that everything would be okay. I believed him. And that's that's a very real thing. I looked it up. They said that nearly half of the general population has some fear of flying. So if Donovan didn't want to get on that plane to go to Memphis, I understand that completely. And I'm not – how would you feel, Jake? I mean, I understand that Jordan wanted to hurry up and get back on that plane, but I'm telling you right now, I, I think I would double-clutch a little bit myself. That, that's – a traumatic experience that a human being needs to uh, sort of overcome, I think, at one level or another. And so I, 
Do you think that this will be something that, that Donovan will have to over? I mean, how he has to overcome this, right? I mean, how how long will it take before he feels comfortable getting on that next plane? Um, I don't, I have no idea because that's obviously entirely personal to him. Um, I I would imagine the difficult it's more part, a rhetorical question. No, I, mean, I, I hear you, yeah. but you you were asked anyway. Um, I would guess it's the anxiety that comes along with the fear in this particular case that that really made it a big time issue, and so he's going to have to figure out how to manage the <clears throat> anxiety that comes along with it because, uh, you know, unfortunately, you know, it's a necessary part of his job. There's really yes. not another option. So, um, right. the, you know, hopefully he's got some good help. Where and and this goes for all of them, by the way, because I think everybody was rattled. I mean, that was a big point um, that everybody made. Uh, was that everybody was pretty shaken up by the whole ordeal. And so hopefully there's some resources available to manage the anxiety that comes with this part of their job because I'm sure there's a lot of people out there that have to go through the same thing, you know? Yeah, it's very real. There's no doubt about it. There's, there's, It's very human. I mean, <laughs> I think when we were sort of composed, uh, soaring through the air wasn't uh, necessarily part of our what came natural to us, so... Uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's a real deal. Uh, have you ever had a fear of flying? Uh, no. I, I've worried about it on occasion. I mean, for one reason or another, I mean, it's never stopped me from traveling, but it certainly, if, if, if I, if you went through an experience like the jazz did, it might, I mean, I'm not going to say that, oh yeah, come on, what's the matter? Let's get back on that plane. I, I think uh, that would be something that would give you great pause. Yeah, well, and our, our, of course, our experiences shape us throughout life, and people deal with those anxieties for one reason or another. I'll, I'll tell you this: my, uh, my grandmother, is gets a ton of anxiety when it comes to thunderstorms, mm-hmm. and and as you know, Gordon, uh, living in the part of the country that she does, uh, thunderstorms are are a way of life. Um, but it it all stems from when she was a little girl, and lightning hit her house, came down the chimney, and basically bounced around the room that everybody was sitting in. Mm. And so, you know, th- that was, well, I don't want to give over my grandmother's age, but, you know, that that was 80 years ago. And she still gets gets a tremendous amount of anxiety uh, during thunderstorms. So, I mean... You, it, you, you can go ahead and give your grandma's age, because once you reach a certain point, then it's, I think it's a uh, distinctive... <laughs> quality <laughs> yeah she she's an, an amazing person like an extraordinarily strong uh, uh human being and just when it comes to thunderstorms she gets she gets anxiety and so um yeah it's it's something people deal with the the mind is the mind is a curious thing and uh mental health is is a big deal and and dealing with these sorts of things is uh, yeah uh, hard sometimes so uh best out to the whole jazz team really you know yeah. Not just Donovan Mitchell on, on coping with this type of thing and, and moving on because they really have to for, for their gig. So, I thought it was interesting the uh, quote that, uh, that Quinn Snyder gave about it, it almost seemed like, uh, and I'm not, I'm not chuckling at this, uh, I'm, I'm taking it very seriously, but he was kind of breaking down and praising the pilots for their calm and collective nature in handling the situation. And I thought that, that that's what a coach does, right? Breaks down the situation. But uh, I, I just, yeah, that would kind of freak all of us out to some level. Uh, on the, on the Joe Ingles show this morning, PK asked Joe if he made any, if he made any promises or deals with God after the engine blew. That's a good question. Come on. Wouldn't we all be? What was his I answer? Would. I'd be say. I think he said he was busy texting Renee, which is another good thing to do, and a, and a bunch of the players were doing that. But uh, I, you know, I, I think I might, you know, get me through this, and I'll I'll do this, this, and this. I think that would be sort of a natural thing to do, wouldn't it? I picture there's no, uh... there's no atheists in foxholes, they say, right? I, uh, I picture the movie Almost Famous, Gordon, that movie I made you watch where the plane mm-hmm. is crashing, and they're all just shouting out confessions and how they've wronged one <laughs> another. Yeah. Yeah. What a what – a, what a, oh, man. That would, that would be a life-altering thing, I think. It just uh, something that would – that uh, – I mean, the word that really comes to mind, I keep hearing it over and over again, is terrifying. Terrifying. 
All right, we'll get to the game itself coming up right around the corner and why it was uh, an impressive win given the, the background that we just talked about. We'll get to that straight ahead. Stay tuned. It is The Big Show. Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Utah's highest rated, most listened to sports radio afternoon show. This is The Big Show, presented by Big O Tires. Stop by your locally owned Big O Tires for no credit needed financing and the best prices on winter tires. Big O Tires, the team you trust. This is 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Big Show, Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Band of the day today, Sly and the Family Stone, selected by me and brought to you by Live Nation Concerts. For the latest tour news and artist insight, go to livenation.com. Nice choice. Love Sly, yeah. man. Yeah, good stuff. You know, when I, was a, when I was a kid and CDs were just becoming a thing, like one of my first two or three was Sly and the Family Stone's Greatest Hits. Oh. Really? Yeah. Just because the influence your your mom and dad had on you? I guess what? so. I don't know. I don't know where they scraped up that Sly album, but they gave me that, <laughs> Bob Seger, uh, and uh, Peter, Paul, and Mommy. Was it the uh, was it the Sly uh, album cover or CD cover with him with that knit cap on? Uh-uh. It wasn't. Oh. I don't know what the okay. greatest hits, but I don't think it was him with a knit cap. All right. I think it was the whole band. Anyway, not that it matters. But, yeah, I was, you know, and then when I was in middle school, I was a trumpet player, so I was kind of like Sly. Throws the trumpet in there a little bit. I'd forgotten that you were a trumpet player. I wasn't a good one, and it didn't really last. (laughs) Tell them how it ended, Jake. (laughs) No. That's a great story. No, it's not. What what happened, Jake? Tell everybody. It's actually not a great story. I'm really not going to tell that story. But it, it did. It it's did, kind of a boring story. It did come to an end, and uh, <laughs> uh, it's better. In grand fashion. In grand fashion, yeah. So. Oh, come on. You can't do that. You can't leave everybody hanging. Yeah. No, yes, I'm sorry. I I, I'm sorry. He can, and he should. Did uh, it have anything to do with the spit valve? No. No, it did It did not. <laughs> <laughs> it did not. Uh, last night, Gordon, the Jazz beat the Grizzlies in Memphis. Third time in six nights beating this Grizzlies team after with the background of all that we talked about in the first segment with the issues uh, with the plane just to get out there. And, um, you know, the team goes out, Gordon, and gives a really gritty performance where they played really hard and came through in the clutch. I I thought that was one of their better wins of the season. Given everything involved, I thought it was one of their better wins of the year. Here, here, Jake. Couldn't agree with you more. and I kept thinking about that. It was hard not to think about that during the game, right? Especially because Donovan Mitchell wasn't there. But I just kept thinking, these guys went through something that was quite traumatic, and here they are out there getting their business done on somebody else's home floor. And a good team. I mean, it's not like the Grizzlies are anybody's idea of a pushover. And they went out and got uh, – got the job done I, and I also kept thinking about how you were right and I was wrong I, not that I was really all that wrong because remember I said somebody would step up and play really 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 well uh-huh. and you said that it would be sort of a collective effort uh-huh. I guess we were both kind of right on that you were Mike, not right Mike Conley was 11 <laughs> of 18 scored 26 points you were not right boy that's way above his average. And Bogdanovich was way above his average, and Clarkson was way above his average. As if yeah, those three, as if those three lifted their team to the victory. You got me there. Anyway, they did come together to to, to get that victory, and I wondered there toward the end whether the, the victory was going to be their reward, but uh, they found a way. And and can, I mean, here I am painting a rosy picture of the Jazz Trift and whatnot, but. Royce O'Neal, what were you doing, Fallon, with seven seconds left with a four-point lead? What were you doing, Fallon? Am I Royce O'Neal now? No. <laughs> Come on, the thought had to go through your mind. And I guarantee you 
that uh, Quinn Snyder was sitting over there thinking that. How can you, you can't do that, right? Well, you you can when you hang on to win. <laughs> yeah, but you don't know at that point whether that's the way it's going to be. I'm sure. I mean, on they'll... the other hand, Royce was on the plane too, and he he might have been traumatized as well. But uh, anyway, uh, well, you yeah. get, you get caught up in the moment, and mistakes are made even at that. And level. he made the next two free throws. Remember? Yeah, uh, yeah. Well, so ice he, water in the veins. Stepped up and nailed them. So, so he made up for it. But stuff uh, happens. The Jazz as a team. Uh, got to give them a whole lot of credit. I mean, they didn't shoot the ball particularly well, uh, and, and but but given the circumstance, I just thought that was it, how do you say it? The guttiest win of the season, I think it it might have been. Well, it it is a um, you know David talks about watch the attempts, and if the attempts are high enough, you win the game, regardless of your percentage. This was uh, mm-hmm. good evidence for his his theory there because they took forty nine threes. And making sixteen, I mean, sixteen is a nice is a nice number for an NBA game, and uh, they only shot thirty two percent, or actually almost thirty three. So, um, you know, get out there and get those volume threes going, and and hit them at the right time, and it'll win a game for you. So that that certainly uh, appeared to be what happened for the most part to me. And they played they played great, you know, movement basketball. I mean, it was very yeah. um, it, it was very jazz like what we've come to expect. When the ball is moving like that and guys are catching the ball in rhythm and either looking for a teammate or looking to release that ball on a beautiful shot, it, it, it is so fun to watch. It, it's it's just such a pure brand of basketball. Uh, and, and, of course, when the shot is missed, then everyone's back on their horse getting down the floor the other way, and uh, you can complain about the miss if you want. But the 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 uh, the strategy behind it, the foundation of it, is really cool. What we're watching with this jazz team is pretty darn special uh, in a lot of ways. And I, I, you know, we I think Jake, for guys like you and me, and we, I mean, we get we get so used to watching it that I think sometimes we take it for granted. But it it really is a thing of beauty. Yeah. You know, Gordon, uh, one thing that's interesting about if you just look at jazz box scores, and this is kind of a, a fun exercise, but there's there's really two ways that you can play this jazz team, and that's there's more than that, but I, and I'm oversimplifying it, but I think you'll you'll come along with me. There's really two ways to to defend this jazz team, and that's uh, you know take away the rim and don't let Rudy dunk on you all night long, or and when you when you do that, you're going to be vulnerable to the three point shot, right? Because you mm-hmm. have to, you know, help and help the helper and all that stuff, and you have to play the pick and roll uh, differently. Or you can stay home on the shooters, and Rudy is going to score thirty and and dunk on your head all night long. And you can just look at the box score and figure out exactly how the other team what what poison they picked that particular night. And Rudy had six shots. He was three of six. He was two of seven at the line. Uh, you like him going there seven times, certainly. And he had the 12 boards, four assists. He had a couple of really, really great blocks. But you look at the eight points, and then you look at the total number of threes taken. 49. <laughs> yeah. 49. That means they were taking open threes all night long because Memphis wasn't going to let Rudy beat him. And the thing is, you look at Rudy's line and you go, okay, that's an all right game for Rudy. He dominated Valanciunas all night long. I mean, he really did. He outplayed him all night long. And because I thought Valanciunas got off some nice shots, though, a couple but of them. They, I mean, they sagged Valanciunas at the rim the whole game. Yes. And Rudy still found uh, ways to impact it, including passing the basketball. And then defensively, uh, he was. I thought he was really good against Yona, uh, Valanciunas. I thought he hit some tough shots, and you look at the box score, and he scored some points. But I, I thought that was a completely one-sided matchup, and I thought Rudy was was really, uh, really good. But I, I do think that exercise with the box score is interesting. You can you can look at it and go, oh, well, they were worried about Rudy last night. So, so essentially, what you're saying is that opponents of the Jazz can pick their poison, right? And then it gets a little more complex when teams play switchy defenses and and pressure the ball and all those unique you know wrinkles that we've seen. Uh, the Jazz go up against a zone. The two games ago against Memphis, they played a bunch of zone. Uh, so it's not you know like I said, I oversimplified it a lot, but in very basic terms, I mean that's what you got to do when you play this Jazz team. 
Okay, so we've we've complimented the Jazz and some of the terrific performances we saw in coming back off a traumatic experience to, to gut one out. Does it concern uh, the Jazz, or should it concern Jazz fans that Ja Morant scores 36 points on 11 of 18 shooting? No. And that he goes to the free throw line and shoots 15 charity chucks. Well, I don't think so. I think Jaw is really good. And I think uh, the way that Memphis plays, they play into his strengths the whole game. And so he's going he's gonna to rack up some points. I mean, he's playing that much in transition. He's getting all of his shots pretty much at the rim or in the paint. He's not a great jump shooter. He's limited. And so Memphis designed an attack to really highlight what he does well. And he'll do, he does that to a lot of teams. Yeah. Yeah. He's going to continue to do that to a lot of teams. I, I, I still think, and let me ask you this, because Booner brought this up on the postgame show. I still think, and I agree with this was kind of Ron's point, that he needs to round out his game still, that there's some stuff he's got to add because there's some you know, holes, so to speak, or you can, you can play certain ways against him to take away some stuff. But if he rounds out his game, I think he'll be one of the top five players in the league. Well, you saw him hit that twenty-five foot jumper straight away. Yeah, I'm th- I'm thinking about more than just heaving prayers, though. Okay. You know, I I think he needs to add a little distance on a more consistent, uh, better execution in the half court, those kind of things. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I can I can buy that stuff that Donovan Mitchell's had to work on. Right. You know, not just uh, Donovan is a, a far better shooter as always has been than Jaw is uh, now, but the the other things like reads and decision making and that sort of stuff. And he had, what do you have, five turnovers, I think, uh, something along those lines? Uh, well, he has the ball in his hands the entire yeah. the entire game. Yeah, which which leads to a spotlight, which will either indicate really great play or the mistakes that are made by a young player. But you're right. He's going to – I'll make this prediction. I'll say within two years he will be one – def- well, let's see. Let me think before I say Top this. five is a pretty steep standard. Yeah. I'd say top ten. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I can buy into that. Mm-hmm. He, he has some work to do. But actually the, his willingness to shoot the three I think is, is a strength, not a weakness. Because you can't hide from it. Got to go out there and figure out how to get yourself better. Uh, I like. There's a lot to like about him as a player. Memphis is a good team. I mean, that's why yeah. you can't undersell the fact that they beat them three times in a row. And the final time without their leading score. Yeah, I mean that, that's yeah. a big deal. Yeah. If they, we're not talking about Cleveland here, I mean that Cleveland team was was borderline comical just because they <laughs> they don't have a great squad obviously this year, and the Jazz didn't have to work very hard to beat them. Joe Ingles said as much. Kind of chuckled at that when he was on with uh, with PK this morning. Um, but this Memphis team is is way better than Cleveland. I mean, they're 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 a decent team and they play really hard and they've got a good young coach and there's a bright future for Memphis and for Jazz to to beat them three times is is really impressive. And they're especially good at the defensive end. Uh, I mean, th- yeah, I agree that that is uh, a fine accomplishment for the Jazz. What about this though? How badly did the Jazz miss Donovan Mitchell? Because you don't often see him play without him. Uh, there were moments in that game when I, 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 it was, it was clear that he wasn't there, and uh, no duh, right? I mean, when LeBron's not with the Lakers, you kind of notice. But uh, maybe sometimes, you know, sometimes when a guy is absent, makes you appreciate what he's capable of doing even more. I I agree with what you said there, Gordon. I I would be worried about you if you came in today and said, wow, they didn't miss Donovan at all. Well, like we talked about yesterday, there are times when the collective group comes together to fill in that space completely. And even though the Jazz did win a tough game under tough circumstances, uh, they came together, but there were still the holes that Donovan would have been able to uh for sure. Fill, fill I, he, I mean he's he's just he's too good not to have an impact when he's not there, you know. Yeah, yeah, throw yeah. Rudy into that category too. I mean there there's a reason they're making so much dough. You know, <laughs> if Donovan had an absence of a few games and the Jazz had, you know, no fall off whatsoever, I'm sure that uh, the Jazz would be thinking, "Now why are we paying this guy so much?" <laughs> 
so I assume what you're saying by ask, by saying it the way you did is that uh, uh, no kidding, you idiot. No, I would never say it. <laughs> I would I would never say that. No, I I it was a storyline last night. I don't I don't mean to to poo-poo the storyline. I apologize because Donovan wasn't there. And any time a team is missing their best player and how they play is going to be something that you keep an eye on. There's there's no doubt. Look at the Laker collapse. But um you know, Donovan the team deserves a lot of credit for making up for him because he's such a good player and they did it against a good team. Yes. Yep. And look, we mentioned, first of all, Mike Conley playing the way he did and at a place where he played for so long. It's kind of nice to see him do that, although it was difficult for him to guard John Morant. But, I mean, that's true for a lot of people. But he performed very well. Um, Bogdanovich... It's still something's something's not quite there. I don't. Can you put your finger on it? What's going on with him? I mean, it's not like he didn't make any shots, five three pointers in twelve attempts. Still, overall six of seventeen. You know what? Do you think this is just thing a thing like uh, shooters go through a little slump and he he'll uh, he'll bounce out of it and better for him to go through it now than in the playoffs. Um, I think what's going on with Bogdanovich is he's having trouble shaking a narrative. He played great last night. Can't have a complaint in the world about Bogdanovich last night. He <laughs> he made shots when they needed it in the first quarter. He made shots at the end of the game. Uh, he, I mean, five of twelve. What percent? That's still in the forties. I mean, that's that's a great night. And he made probably the best slash most important pass of the whole night. In the fourth quarter, it was a hockey assist. It didn't go down as an assist, but he was in the post, backing down his guy, which one of us doesn't like it when he does that. But then he had a skip pass out to Royce O'Neal right at the break, who made the extra pass to Jordan Clarkson in the corner, who canned the three. Yeah, it was a sweet play. So I uh, don't hold your breath. This, he's still making. He's still making a third of his shots, and you know, I mean, whatever. He, he shot 42% from three, like Jake said, though. Yeah. I mean, yeah. He, listen, I don't know why he struggles making layups, but he does for some reason. <laughs> uh, I got it. If you want to complain about him making layups, I'm all I'm all about it. But there's – I. you can't criticize his game last night. He was really good. Okay. And Jordan Clarkson, 4 of 15 from three. I thought he was good, too. All right. I mean, again, the volume three is a good thing. So it doesn't matter as long as a lot of them go up. Right. Because the Jazz shoot 40% from three. So eventually that number is going to come out and you're going to win. <laughs> and, by the way, when they made the threes, I thought was relevant last night, too. Yeah, yeah, I hear you. I hear you. I, I just, every time I see this team play, I measure it against the best standard you can come up with and uh, i get it they're humans they had a traumatic experience it was a great win a gutty win i agree i agree i agree but i i, I just picture what's going to happen when they go up against the clippers or when they go up against the lakers fully loaded when they go up against the suns we're going to see what that's like uh twice on the road coming up in the not too distant future i know the lakers and andre drummond's toe are going to be a tough matchup <laughs> For this uh, for this Jazz team, it's gonna it's going to be rough. I I thought both those players that you mentioned played well. I did. I'm not I'm not ripping them. I'm I'm just thinking they're going to have to play better than they did last night. Now, obviously Donovan Mitchell wasn't there. Yeah, and they gritted that... out a, a tough win. Right. I don't think there's I, much to complain I'm... about from okay. last night's game. I really don't. And I Fair don't enough. think I I I think Bogdanovich is fine. I'm not concerned about his performance, and he, I, I he just don't know how me. many. I just don't know how many good games he has to have before people will get over the boy. Look at this slump from Bogdanovich. Well, he just he, it it doesn't look smooth to me. It looks like something's just kind of a little quirky. That's he went all. five of six from three three games ago. Yeah, I know. I know, but don't if I if I tell you he went six of seventeen. And don't discard that and say he was five of six from three a few games ago. 
I'm not know, discarding I mean, that. I I'm I'm including the six of seventeen and telling you that he had a good game. I, I, I the whole his whole performance does not come down to his shooting percent percentage. No, I know particularly that. I know that. him. Well, he didn't have any turnovers. <laughs> Nice. That was great, Gordon. All right, stay tuned. Yeah, big game, zero turnovers. You're right. Hey, we ended on the same page. I feel good. <laughs> okay, look, we're nitpicking here, but uh, the Jazz had a great win under those circumstances, but they will have to play better, and obviously if Donovan Mitchell is with them, they will play better. But I just keep measuring this team against what they're going to face in the playoffs. And I, because they have won so many games, I, I, for their own good, Jazz fans ought to send as many positive vibes at this club as they can. Because if, if it, it'd be it'd be better for them not to play so well and not to win so many games if they're not going to do the same thing in the playoffs. Because if they do that in the regular season and then they don't do it in the playoffs, then people will d- just sort of dismiss. Whatever they do moving forward, it'll create a bigger hole for the Jazz to climb out of than already exists after what happened in the bubble. Well, certainly a big night last night. Uh, we'll get yeah. to more coming up next. Stay tuned. 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. This is The Big Show with Gordon Monson and Jake Scott, presented by Big O Tires. Stop by your locally owned Big O Tires for no credit needed financing and the best prices on winter tires. Big O Tires, the team you trust. This is 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. (laughs) It's a Big Show, Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, 97.5. And 1280 The Zone. Coming up, top of the 3 o'clock hour, um, we're going to have a a really great uh, conversation. We're excited about this. We're going to promote a a really good cause with a a friend of the station. So stay tuned uh, for that. We've got that coming up at the top of the 3 o'clock hour. Um, Coming up at 4, Sam Amick will be on with us uh, from The Athletic, of course. And then at 5, Tim Lacombe will jump on the show, my co-host for Jazz pre, half, and post game. So it'll be fun to talk to Tim. Yeah, always is a pleasure. So he's also obviously uh, he was a, a college coach for a long, long time. He's he's dialed into the the coaching stuff, uh, uh, the carousel, so to speak. And so it's kind of been fun uh, hanging out with him while his phone's buzzing all the time. Does he know what's going to happen at Utah State? I don't know. No, I I, I don't think he does actually. Does he know, know what's going to happen in North Carolina? Yeah, what do you think about that? Roy Williams steps, well, steps down, retires, whatever you want to call it. I guess it's technically a retirement. He's 70 how, years old. How, how old is he, 70? 70. And he said he does. He did not feel like he was the right fit for the program anymore. Well, yeah. I mean, look what look what he's accomplished. And uh, life is only so long, you know. You gotta, he needs to go out and, and do some stuff that he hasn't been able to do. He's probably been able to do a lot of things. But uh, there's more to do, so go do it. What the heck? What do you bet me pops up at, like, New Mexico or something in two or three years? No. At 73? He's 70, uh, about in a few years. I see what you're saying. But I don't know. It seems like these coaches retire and then get bored, and then all of a sudden they take another gig, right? They are. Where did uh, Bobby Knight go? Texas Tech? Yeah. They They are wired in a different way oftentimes, and there's a thirst for that controlling competition and so i guess that could happen isn't larry I, brown still coaching somewhere <laughs> is he i don't know <laughs> i if he is i'm unaware where was where was he last in the college ranks and and had success um was he at smu smu yeah exactly yeah i i, I <laughs> if he's coaching still then I, I, I'm, uh, I haven't Googled it, but let me guess that Larry Brown would be, I want to say, mid to late 80s. He is exactly 80. Is and it? you'll never, ever in a million trillion years guess 
the last team he coached. <laughs> Not a chance, because I didn't even know this this team existed. Uh, All right, let's hear it. Auxilium Torino. What is I'm, that? In uh, Liga Basket Serie A. Oh, over there in Italy. Our guy Tavinari probably knows yeah. all about it. Okay, him. so he coached in the Italian league. He was fired midseason with the team's record at just 5 and 19. So he did a bad in job. 2018. <laughs> Overseas. Okay. There you go. Uh, I don't know if we'll see Roy Williams again. It's pretty pretty incredible what he accomplished at both Kansas and North Carolina. Never never got that title at Kansas, but Went to several Final Fours, right, in his his time there, and then he goes to to North Carolina. Had the whole academic scandal thing pop up there for a minute, <clears throat> um, but uh, seemed to somehow come out of that unscathed. You mean where the the classes were fake? That whole yeah, thing, yeah, where they. No, he never knew anything about that, Jake. That, well, that they, that's not to him. technically what they concluded. They got away with it because of a loophole where they said, well, we made the fake class available to everybody. It wasn't just <laughs> athletes. It was it was everybody. And the NCAA said, oh, why didn't you say that in the first place? Yeah, Case closed. It's no, yeah. it's no, Let's particular, go home, everyone. It's no particular benefit for an athlete. It's, you know. Let's it's hit Applebee's. Everybody, you know. <laughs> Fine work. Did you, ever, did you ever have any classes like that in college? Fake that were classes, just an no. Absolute, maybe not a fake class, but one that is an automatic A. Took ballroom dance. Well, that'd be kind of hard. What, what, did everybody get an A in there? Oh, everybody showed up. Oh, it was one of those. Yeah, they didn't like actually critique your no, technique. No, it wasn't the, like uh, uh, Carrie Ann. What's her name sitting there? Going, <laughs> like <laughs> Carrie Ann Anaba wasn't yeah. the professor. He was like, "Listen, that waltz sucks." So wait, 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 hold on a second. You're telling me that anybody who shows up for ballroom dance, even if they don't learn the dances correctly, they get an A? That sounds a little bit on the generous side. Yeah, you don't get like an A. You just get the credit. You just get like a pass. Oh, okay, it's All like right. a pass fail kind of thing. And if you if you just showed up and stood there, then they'd probably fail you. But yeah, if you participate, wave your arms and shake yeah, your hips, show up and participate. But no, they're not critiquing you. They're not saying that rumba was a B effort at best. <laughs> Were you any good at it? Uh, I don't know if anybody in beginning ballroom dance is any good at it. But it was fun. Uh, a few fraternity brothers and I took it to see if we could meet a member of the fair sex. And then, sure, there were some some lovely people in that See, class. I, I took a golf class, thinking I'll get to golf, I'll get an A, all oh, this will be great. Uh -huh. You had to get, you had to like shoot an eighty on average. No, to, yes, an eighty. Yes, an eighty. Some of this, yes. some of this stuff, no. some of this yes. stuff is performance based, Jake. Maybe no, it was eighty-five, not. but to, it was to it get was a pass. I didn't pass. No, stop. I'm no, not stop kidding. Right at 85, that Down is, at UVU. Listen, at 85 is a pretty steep standard. What if you were not like Not at a, Cascade Springs. What if you were just a beginner, though? You just pick up a club that semester, and they're there like, you better, of us. you better be to 85 by the end of this thing. That's impossible. So we passed the class, but we didn't. There were, To get an A, you had to do this. There were tiers of school. Well, there's, a, there's, a, there's a way to get past that. You cheat. How do you cheat? Well, the cheat the way you do at golf? That's, I think, what he's saying. Miscounts the strokes. Was the, was the teacher with you in your foursome? No, but the Holy Spirit was yeah. and saw everything I was doing is, and not doing. Is this how you think of things, Gordon? That if nobody's looking, no. it's all good? No, I'm just thinking that that seems quite unreasonable that in order to get an A, you got to shoot 80. Well, what's I mean, unreasonable there, there are people, is... There are people who have been playing golf for 25 years who have never, never broken that. Well, it, it, should you be given a letter grade for golf? I mean, let's be honest. At least with the pass-fail thing, that made some sense. But, like, Look, if, any, you, if anything, you took a, a basketball class and you weren't the— I took a basketball you class. You weren't Dominique Wilkins by the end? You didn't get an A? Come it on, was that's dumb. It was all it's, the grades in the basketball class were more— We had to show that we could make a layup and, and that we, we did a test and we had to write the parts of the court and where the three-point line and all that was. But then there was a calisthenics— section where you had to run the mile in like seven minutes that's Jake, the dumbest thing part, I've ever heard. Part, 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 part of part of learning the game of golf is being miserable you know so the fact that you don't get it there is some some legitimacy to that uh that uh you it, it somehow you're you're going to fall short of what your goal is and that you're going to be happy about it and that it's somehow going to ruin your day so that, that that's that that is 
a part of the game of golf, right? The only thing that would make it even more realistic is if you had to actually pay extra for the class and lose a bunch of money. Which well, is what I did. You did have to pay for the class, yeah. They didn't do it for free. We had to buy our own season pass to the course. Yeah. Welcome to your <laughs> university system That's, at work. Yeah, you're paying yeah. you're paying top dollar for that ballroom dance class. How many happy golfers do you know? Lots. I'm a happy golfer. Yeah. Do you keep score? Yeah. All right. No, you doubt it? I think most people who play golf are happy. I don't know. I've known a lot of them. They're happy to be on the course, but they're not necessarily happy with the result. So what do they do? They go out and buy five more putters, you know, and then they expend all that. And then they need a new driver. And then the irons aren't what they used to be, or the grips don't fit right, so you've got to regrip them, or you got to do something and you lose, you know, uh, about 150 golf balls, and so then you got to go out and buy more. So it's, it's hypothetically, just, right, Gordon? It's, yeah, it's one of those endeavors that that uh, you just you you want to be good at, but uh, you're, you're more likely to be miserable than good. Well, if you don't set unrealistic expectations for yourself, then often you're not miserable. I, lo- I love I the guy, I mean, the, uh, not you, but I love the guy that goes out there that thinks they shoot 75 every time they play. And anytime they're below that, just a smidge, it's nothing but curses and making everybody else miserable. And like they're a round away from getting their car. Right, yeah. And, and you're 82, they chill. They, they miss play, a 30 foot putt and they throw their putter like, ah, oh, <laughs> darn it. I mean, yeah, I, I don't, I got to admit, I don't understand that. I told you guys, I used to think that way. I used to think, and I, and I did get to be a decent golfer. I mean, I was, I used to shoot about 80. There about, and I thought I was I was pretty good until uh, until I introduced the game to my wife and we went out to play and and she recorded my swing, and I recorded hers, and we came back and we compared the two swings and hers was about ten times better than mine, and that's when I realized, not only do you suck but you've always sucked. Just because your swing wasn't as nice as your wife's, that's. Yeah. I mean, kind of an she, insult she, to her. She, she'd been playing golf for like three months. Well, a natural. What do you want me yeah. to say? If she's the natural, I'm the unnatural. All right, we're going to be out of the warehouse coming up tomorrow, 2 to 6, 1825 South, 300 West in Salt Lake. Price is so low, it'll blow your mind. It's the warehouse. Coming up next, we're going to give a little spotlight to a great cause. Stay tuned, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone.